We started this brand new series last week, and uh, it all talks about when we invite God in, and God actually shows up when we invite Him in. And last week, we had a guest who came with us, and uh, this guest is actually with us again today. And so, uh, for those of you who weren't with us, we had Jesus in the house last week, and Jesus is in the house again this week. This actually freaked a lot of people out last week who weren't in the service and they came back up. They were maybe in the kids area and they suddenly came and saw Jesus was like in the middle of the platform and they're like, whoa, what's going on? But uh, we talked about this Jesus because this is a cardboard cutout Jesus, not the real deal. Um, And we talked about that some people in life that this is their version of Jesus. He's a religious figure who is just a cobble cut out. There's no breath in him. There's no life in him. He's just some religious relic, religious idol, just religious man that some people follow. And even people who are called Christians, this, sometimes this is their version of Jesus. He is a cobble cut out version of Jesus. There's no real life to him. He doesn't change their life um, at all. But then we talked about actually experiencing the real Jesus, the real deal. Well, today uh, we're going to talk again about the real Jesus, and uh, we're going to uh, use this little prop, um, If uh, and we talked about it last week, if you want one of these in your home, uh, you can buy them on Amazon, um, and uh, they're not that expensive at all. Somebody asked me yesterday, uh, are there any other versions of Jesus? I'm like, I think this is like the only version of Jesus that you can get, uh, kind of creepy version, but uh, um, anyway, uh, you can buy it on Amazon if you want. Uh, but I want to take you back tonight, today to the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested. For the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested, the disciples, they gathered together with Jesus. Jesus was in the midst with them. They were there with Jesus and they went to a place called an upper room and they sat down and they started to eat And the Bible tells us as they started to eat together that they started to fight and to squabble amongst themselves. They said, who will be the greatest amongst us? Is it going to be Peter? Is it going to be John? Is it going to be James? Can't be Bartholomew or Thomas. I mean, they're like lowly ones. No, it's going to be Andrew maybe. And they started to fight amongst themselves. Who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And as they started to eat and continue to eat, then suddenly one of them decided to slip away from the meeting, from the the meal, because he was going to go and betray Jesus, betray betray the trust of the disciples and Jesus, and he was going to sell Jesus out for 40 pieces of silver. There was no unity amongst them that night, for they were fighting, but this was the night that Jesus told them that he was going to die and be crucified. In fact, after their meal, Jesus said, okay, guys, let's go. And so they went walking and Jesus led them and they kept walking and they went to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus went there and he says, come and pray with me. So Jesus went and knelt and prayed, expecting the disciples to actually pray with him. And the Bible tells us that Jesus prayed so intently that drops of sweat like blood came from his forehead. I mean, could you imagine how intense he was praying that 
big drops of sweat were coming from his forehead. That's how intense Jesus was praying. And as Jesus finished praying, he went back. And what was his disciples doing? They were sleeping. They were snoring. They had their feet up on the couch, watching TV with their mouth open, like I am some nights. And they were sleeping. And Jesus says, could you not even watch with me one hour? And then in the distance, Judas comes. And as Judas comes, he kisses Jesus on the cheek. And then the soldiers come and arrest Jesus. Then Peter suddenly starts to get brave. was like, I can't pray, but I can get my sword out and cut the ear off a soldier. And Jesus picked up the ear. I would have actually liked to have seen this. It would have been pretty cool. And put the ear back on the soldier. But then they went and they took Jesus away. So Jesus had left them. Jesus had gone. And what did the disciples do? What would you do if Jesus had suddenly gone? Well, these disciples, they decided, I'm going to go and hide. They scattered. They didn't stay together. They didn't think, well, if we stay together as a group, we can help. We can, we can plan to go and get Jesus. No, they scattered. And then Peter, being Peter, he didn't want to get close to what was going on, but he wanted to take a look what was going on. So from a distance, he started to spy and he kept himself busy looking out and he was seeking out what was going on. And then someone came and says, aren't you one of the guys who was with Jesus? And Peter was like, no, it wasn't me. I'm not, I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy. Because fear had gripped them. And it happened three times and then Jesus was put on trial. Eventually, Jesus was crucified on a cross. Some of the disciples were there. They watched. But ultimately... There was fear amongst the disciples. They had scattered. Then they thought they were next. They thought the soldiers were coming for them. So they went and hid. And there was fear. Fear had struck the disciples. But if you notice this story this night and the few days that followed, there's two things that are notably missing from what happened with these disciples. And these are the two things that these disciples failed to do. There was no unity amongst them for they were fighting amongst themselves. And then there was no prayer. There was no unity. There was no prayer. There was no praying. They just thought they would, they would do their own thing. They would try to get, uh, get through the situation themselves. But there was no unity and no prayer. And then Easter Sunday happened. And suddenly Jesus did his party trick and Jesus appeared. And suddenly Jesus is back with them and they are amazed. And then Thomas is like, well, I don't believe it unless I touch the nail prints in his hands and his feet. And then Jesus showed them. And they believed because Jesus had been risen from the dead. And so suddenly everything was back to normal again because everything was great. Jesus was with them again. And the Bible tells us that after Jesus' resurrection that he appeared for about 40 days to the disciples. Now, the Bible does not record what happens in these 40 days. All it tells us that Jesus spoke many things to the disciples and performed many miracles, but it doesn't tell us what they are. And I would love, if there was something in history that had been written that wasn't written, I would have loved to know more about those 40 days that Jesus spent with these disciples. And he appeared to them periodically. But it doesn't. But during this, this period of time, 
During this 40 days, there is a change in the faith of the disciples. These disciples ended up after 40 days not being the same disciples that squabbled around the dinner table. They were not the same disciples that slept when Jesus said to pray. They were not the same disciples that hid in a room because they didn't want to get arrested. There was a change in the disciples. Suddenly there is a leap in their step and there is an energy to their faith. And I want us to pick up this story in Acts chapter 1. And we're going to start reading at verse 3. And this is what it said. During the 40 days after Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He wasn't a ghost. He was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you a gift he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Then Jesus replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he, being Jesus, was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So here in these 40 days and in the last few days of Jesus actually physically walking on earth, Jesus tells the disciples one thing, to wait. Wait here. Don't move. Don't don't go in your own ways. Don't go in your separate ways. But wait here. For I am going to send you something called the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will give you power. And that will be power to do what I can do. And so the disciples decided to wait. They did not know what kind of power. They they didn't know if it would be like Popeye kind of power. Eat some spinach and you get some big guns. They didn't know if it would be political power. They didn't know if it would be social power or, or they didn't know if it would be uh, like, I don't know, Transformers power or something. They didn't know what kind of power that, that was going to come. They didn't know what the Holy Spirit looked like. They didn't know who he was. All they knew was they were to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Yet these disciples were not the same disciples as before. Before Jesus was crucified, these disciples probably would have started to argue amongst themselves. 
They probably will arguing about how to wait. Well, this is how we should wait. This is what we should do when we wait. This is what's going to happen. And when this happens, this, this is the order it's going to happen in. And you could imagine that amongst themselves, they would have been arguing. But something had changed within these disciples. There was no arguing. There was no squabbling about who was the greatest. There was no falling asleep when they should have been praying. For there had been a change. See, these disciples had not only seen, but they had touched the resurrected Christ. See, it's almost like before when they were following Jesus and they saw Jesus perform all these miracles. It was almost like Jesus is this amazing religious man that they followed. But that was it. But after Jesus was resurrected, it's like something had changed. And Jesus has gone from being a cardboard cutout kind of Jesus to being a real Jesus. The real deal Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the, the king of kings Jesus, the, the, the one who is the creator of the heavens and earth kind of Jesus. The one who is the savior of our souls kind of Jesus. See, this is what I know. When you've experienced the glorified Jesus, your view on life, your view on faith, and your view amongst others is very different. See, if you just follow just a cardboard cutout kind of Jesus, a religious Jesus, an idol kind of relic kind of Jesus, then your view on life doesn't change. But once you experience the resurrected Christ, the Christ that saves your soul, the Christ that gives you eternal life, then your views on life, your views on faith, and your views about other people change dramatically. And these disciples, they understood two things. Whereas before there was no unity and no prayer amongst them, after they had experienced 40 days with the resurrected Christ, they understood that unity and prayer were the key to waiting for God. My son loves Netflix, absolutely loves it. He's two years old and he navigates around that thing better than I do. There's always different shows he loves to watch. And one of the shows he loves is the Jungle Book movie, the new one. And uh, it's pretty cool if you've ever seen it. And like half these shows, I can just repeat every single line because we watch them again and again and again. Well, in the Jungle Book, there's, 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 there's a line that just really like spoke to me this week almost, like God was speaking through the Jungle Book. But Mowgli said this. He said, The power of the wolf is the pack, and the power of the pack is the wolf. And I think these disciples got it. They realized that the power of them together is the individual, and the power of the individual is the group together. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus ascended on the 40th day. 40 days after Jesus' death. The number 40 in the Bible is very significant. There's lots of different things that happened on 40 days. Uh, We're told that when Noah was in the boat, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The children of Israel, they wandered around the wilderness for 40 days. Moses was up in the mountain when he got the Ten Commandments for 40 days. Goliath, when he taunted the armies of Israel before David knocked him out with a sling and a stone, he taunted the armies of Israel for 40 days. 
Even Jesus, when he fasted, before he actually went into what we call his public ministry, he fasted for 40 days. And the number 40 in in the Bible is kind of significant because it really means the word testing or trial. And when you go through testings and trials in life, you really need Jesus by your sides. And some of you in life right now, you are going through the testings and trials of life. You feel like you're going through a 40-day kind of experience in life. But now after these 40 days of testing and trial or 40 days of experiencing Jesus, now Jesus is gone. Jesus has ascended to heaven. And then there is a 10-day wait, a 10-day gap between when Jesus ascended to heaven to when this thing called the Holy Spirit came. There is a wait where there is no Jesus, there is no Holy Spirit. The heavens are silent. That the heavens are shut up. That they are praying to God, but nothing is happening at all. And we even talked last week that some of you, you may be going through that right now in your life. You are praying to God. You are praying to heaven. But it seems like the heavens are shut up. The heavens are silent. God is not answering your prayer. And you are in that waiting period where you're thinking, is God even going to show? And then we get to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And this is what it said. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. The reason we know it was about 10 days from when Jesus ascended up to heaven to this day, because they say on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. It means 50 days after Passover. That's what it means. And there was a, it spoke of a festival that, that happened, the festival of Pentecost. And people would come from all over the world into Jerusalem on this day. And, and they would celebrate. And so if Jesus was around for 40 days and Pentecost is 50 days, then do the math. It's 10 days of waiting there or thereabouts. And Pentecost basically means the time of completion. And this is significant because remember the nights... When the disciples were around the dinner table and they were arguing and they were squabbling, there was no unity amongst them and they were talking about who is the greatest and then even Judas went and left them. There's no unity. And they remember the, the, the time when they, they, they were supposed to be praying and they were sleeping instead or when they should have banded together and looked to God but instead they scattered in fear. Now 50 days later, there is a difference. It's almost like the time of trial and testing is completed and they've passed their test. Now they are together. And the Bible says that they are in one place together. There is unity. There is a bond. I even believe that they were praying together for Acts chapter 1 verses 14 says, They were all meeting together and were constantly united in prayer. And this is exactly what happens when you experience the glorified Christ. If you are struggling to pray right now, if you are struggling to find unity in your marriage or unity in your home, even unity amongst other people in church, then this is what you probably need to start praying. God, show me a view of the glorified Christ. Show me the real Jesus. 
Because when you experience the real Jesus, not a cardboard cutout Jesus, then suddenly your view on life starts to change. Suddenly prayer becomes not just an option, but prayer becomes compulsory in your life because you understand that you need to communicate with the Father in heaven and then you need others around you to be praying with you. And this is exactly what happened. So as the day of Pentecost came, you can see that these disciples, as they're waiting for God, they are praying and in unity with one another. And I tell you, if you are waiting for God in your life right now, when the heavens seem shut and God is nowhere to be seen, don't lose heart, don't give up, but pray. And not only just pray by yourself, but get with some others and start praying in unity with other believers and other Christians, other people in the church, because when you wait, you pray. The Bible tells us that the believers were meeting together. Another translation said they were in one accord with each other. What that means is that they had one purpose, they had one heart, they had one prayer, and they were in one place together. They were not scattered around Jerusalem individually in their own home, just praying one for another. It's not like they were saying, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then they went home and then said a quick five-minute prayer. No, they gathered together and they were in one place and they were lifting each other up in prayer. That They were in unison, in unity together. They had one heart, one mind, one prayer, and they were praying for each other. Because when you wait, you pray, and some of you are waiting right now, and if you are waiting for God, then it's time to pray. See, no one except God knows what will happen tomorrow. All these disciples knew that God was going to send somebody to them. The only insight they had was this person that was going to come, called the Holy Spirit, was going to bring comfort and power. That's all they had. And we live in a world where we want to know plans, right? We want to know what's happening tomorrow. We want to know what the vision is for the future. But these disciples didn't know. All they knew is God says, wait. That was it. I feel sometimes like that here at Generation Church. You know, we hear that we need our five-year plan and our ten-year plan. And we need, to, we need to cast vision and we need to know a plan how to get there. And I'm all for that and I love it. And, and, and I can see a future where, where as a church we are helping to impact our community where believers are, are, are gathering in numbers and people are getting saved by the thousands in, in this county. And, and, and they are, are getting free from their sin and, and they are finding in freedom in Jesus and, and we are helping the, the poor and the homeless and the needy and the, and the single mother and the widow and, 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 and the abused and, and the addicted and different ones. I can see that in the future, but I'll be honest with you right now. I really don't know what God's going to do tomorrow. And we really want to know what's going to happen in 24 hours, right? That's what we want to do with our life. Well, the only thing I think I know what's going to happen in 24 hours, it's going to be steaming hot tomorrow. That's about it. But that could even be wrong. Because we want a vision for tomorrow. But the reality is, is when you walk in faith, you really don't know what God's going to do tomorrow. And these disciples, they didn't know what to expect. All they knew is that God was going to give them power. But it's funny, when God showed up, they all knew what it was. They, they didn't have vision for what was next. 
They didn't know what was next. All they knew that it involved Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. But when God showed up, everybody knew what was next. They didn't need somebody with a PowerPoint saying, this is our five-year plan. They all knew what was next because God was guiding them. They didn't have a plan for when it came. The only preparation was that they were committed to the course. But when God shows up, everybody knows their place and everybody seems to know what to do. We live in a world that demands a plan and follows a vision. But living by faith means that we have to rely on God every single day, every single step. And when you live by faith, be ready to throw your plans out of the window. I believe God is more concerned that you are praying than writing your five-year plan. God desires our church to be together in unity more than he desires everybody to be able to say and repeat our mission statement. When I moved to the United States, everyone kept saying, so Alex, what's the plan? I didn't have a job, didn't have a visa. There was too much of an ocean to be able to jump a border. I'm only kidding, by the way. But we didn't know what was going on. Everyone kept saying, what's the plan? What's the plan? You need a plan. You can't just go blindly into this thing. And I kept saying, I don't know the plan. All I know is this is what God has. And God made it happen. Because when you live by faith, you can sometimes overplan and stop God doing what God wants to do in your lives. So the day of Pentecost comes, and this is what the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 2. It says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring mighty storm, windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames of or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by believers. And then we're going to fast forward a bunch of verses to verse 41. It says, And those that believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Many Christians miss what God is actually doing here in this verse. The charismatics amongst us think they love this verse. They love this section of, uh, of, of scripture because it's all about the feeling. I feel the wind of the spirits, right? Like I can feel it. That's what we live for, the feeling of the Holy Spirit. And then there's other people in the Christian faith called, uh, uh, who, who, who believe that this was just a one-time event and never to happen again. And they believe that we can never experience Pentecost again. But really both are wrong. Because what happened, the Bible tells us that there was a sound like a wind that came. And then everybody opened their eyes and it was like, there was like, almost looked like tongues of fire. And then everybody came running to see what was happening. And then suddenly Peter gets up and starts declaring who Jesus is and the story of humanity and the story of God. And suddenly everyone starts to realize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. See, God did actually not show up in a wind. God did not show up in a fire. It's not like suddenly there was a breeze that came into the room. 
the first sign was a sound. If you've ever been in a tornado alert, you will hear the tornado before you see it. They say it's like a, it's like a freight train coming through it. And this is exactly what happened to them with the Holy Spirit. There was a sound. It was not just heard by the church folks, but who were wired into hearing the Spirit of God, but it was heard by everybody. It says that there were people all over the city, devout Jews, who heard the sound and they came running. Secondly, this sound was confirmed by sight. There was a glow of fire amongst these disciples. See, when the real deal shows up, I believe everyone can hear it, everyone can see it, everyone can taste it, everyone can touch it, and everyone can smell it. See, when God shows up, It's not just for the strange church folks, the weird church folks. When God shows up, it's for everybody and it's experienced by everyone. And as the people came running, then the real power came forth. And the real power was not the sound. It was not the flame on their heads. It was not even them speaking in different languages that they had never learned. The real power was the pure message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that Peter spoke about that turned hearts towards Jesus. And when God shows up, it's not so that your hairs on your neck can stand to attention. It's so that you will receive power and the courage to be his witnesses telling people about him so that they can come to an understanding that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and the Savior of their souls. See, I believe that God desires your friends and your family and your co-workers and your neighbors and the people that you pass by every day to come to a saving knowledge that Jesus died for their sins. And the Holy Spirit was not just given to these apostles and believers this day at a one-time event. I believe we can experience our own Pentecost so that we can declare with boldness to the world that Jesus saves. See, and I wonder, I wonder if that day has not come here at Generation Church yet. Because God is waiting for the day of completion. Because we have not learned the power and the beauty of praying together in unison. Together with one mind, with one heart, and with one soul. There is power when you pray together. For this is the place that God shows up. And when God shows up, not only do churches receive power, but communities are transformed. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in prayer. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, we're going to do something just a little different as we finish our service this morning. The band are going to come up in a minute and they're going to play a song. But I want us this morning to act a little like the apostles. We don't know what God's going to do tomorrow. We don't know what God's going to do next week. I'll be honest with you. I really don't know what Generation Church is going to look like in 2018, in 2020, in 2040. We have our desires and we can look forward. But the ultimate realization is that only God knows. And I don't know what God's going to do in your life right now. Maybe some of you, you are having to make decisions, maybe career decisions or family decisions. Maybe some of you are 
trying to move forward into the dreams and the passions that God that God has placed within you and you are trying to hold on to them and know what's next. And you are in that waiting period right now. Well, while you're in that waiting period, it's time to pray. And so this is what I'm going to ask us to do this morning. In a moment, if you've come with somebody or with some people, you've got some friends that, that, that you feel comfortable with, I'm going to ask you to get together with them and pray with one another. If you're by yourself or you don't feel comfortable with that and you want to pray with someone this morning, then just come forward and sit on the front row and I'll just come and pray with you as well this morning. But this is what I know. If we want God to move in our church, if we want God to transform our community, if we want God to save our families, then we need to be a church that is unified in prayer. I know over the next couple of months, I'm going to challenge you guys as a church to pray with me and our leaders. We need new space desperately at Generation Church. Our building just isn't cutting it anymore. And we've looked and looked and looked. But we're going to ask you guys to pray with us in unison as we lift up our requests to God. But for today, I want us to pray together and pray for each other's needs. Pray for each other's hearts. Pray for each other's families. Pray for each other's souls. Pray for each other as we are in the waiting.